Hello and welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on this show, talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. Have you heard that the inaugural Landscape Photography World Awards is now open for entries? Early bird entry is available now at a discounted fee until September 30, 2022. Head to landscapephotographyworldawards.com to find out all the details and how to enter. There's some amazing prizes to be won and I'll be publishing a book and a calendar with the top images at the end of the competition, so there's plenty to look forward to. Entries close on November 30, 2022, so there's plenty of time to get your entry sorted, but if you want to get into the early birds, do it now. I'd also like to thank the judges who have agreed to work with me and be a big part of the awards. Deb Clark, Victoria Hark, Kieran Stone and William Patino. I certainly couldn't make this competition a reality without their support. This time I'm talking to Paul Colleen from Belfast in Northern Ireland. Making images throughout Ireland and abroad, Paul's passion is to capture ethereal beauty in his work. Often driven by mood and emotion to create something beautiful, a purist at heart, the goal for Paul has always been to get an image writing camera. His work has been featured in various landscape photography magazine publications. He's also won World Landscape Photographer of the Year 2022. He was shortlisted in the same competition in 2020 and won UK Landscape Photographer of the Year in 2016. Paul is not only passionate about creating images to first and foremost please himself, He's passionate in helping others develop their photography, taking great satisfaction in seeing others improve and progress. We discuss how his award-winning image came about, his favourite locations around Ireland, and a whole lot more. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the show. How are you going? Yeah, I'm good. I'm not too bad. I've had a busy day, busy family day after work, so um, it's good good to get a break and come on on the show and, and have a chat about photography. Oh, thanks very much for taking the time to to do so. How about will you start with um, who you are and what got you started in landscape photography? Um, my name is Paul Colleen. I'm a landscape photographer from Belfast in Northern Ireland. Um, all of my education that I excelled in, which was just art, um, it's always been sort of geared towards photography and, and being creative and stuff. So. Um, after uh, secondary school, I went to college and then I went to art college and I always had a keen interest in photography and that developed on from there. I think I graduated from art college in 2003 and I fell into an office job and didn't do anything creative. And then about seven years later in 2010, I was going on city breaks with my then girlfriend, which is my wife. And I was borrowing my dad's digital SLR and taking images, which I thought were good at the time, which were not so good looking back. but just on auto, but using a, a tripod and stuff and coming home and I entered a couple of competitions in the local camera club when I joined in 2010 and didn't do too well. So I thought, right, OK, um, let, let's get back into this sort of thing and, and see where we can go. OK, fair enough. So is, do you find that's uh, one of your biggest motivations or, you know, what, what's, I guess, behind the motivation and the desire to create um you know artistic photography i think when uh i think it's all i've ever been good at art and drawing when i was younger and then obviously going to university and i did visual communications and i find a lot of my um 
projects where sort of the medium I was using was photography, be it pinhole, be it Polaroids, be it uh, film back in the in the day. Um, mm-hmm. And I always used photography as a medium. So I'm not sure why I had the seven year break um, after our college. You just fall into a job and you you know you get stuck in a rut and you're sort of you're going out and you're having fun. You're yeah, life happens. Life happens. Yeah. But joining the camera club in 2010, it sort of spurred me on. So when I went the first couple of images and didn't do too well, and I thought they were good images, I asked a couple of the advanced members for feedback, and they pointed out a few criticisms, and I thought, right, okay, well, there's a couple of guys here in the advanced section that are winning all of the competitions. So I thought, I'm in here as a beginner. I've never taken a photograph on manual, and I'm going to start this weekend, and I'm going to focus on rising sort of through the ranks in the camera club and and being crowned advanced worker of the year so that was the target then and the goal so mm, yeah okay. cool so i guess one of the things that i've always found you know and it's it's sometimes hard to get is you know if you want to improve your photography getting that advice about you know not necessarily what's wrong though that helps but what you can do to improve. How important was that advice to you in, in making some of the improvements that you've made? Yeah, when I joined the Karma Club, I think one of the events, dance members in particular could see I had a passion for it and I had the eye after a couple of competitions later when I got a couple of placements in the beginner section, he could see I had something. And I don't know, I think coming from our college, I had an, a bit of a, a slight ego. I've been to our college. I can take a good photograph. Yep. But when you join and you're 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 mixing with more experienced photographers, you need to sort of soak up everything ones with more experience is saying. You just be like a sponge, you know. So that's what I did. So I let them take me under my wing. Mm. We would have went out for a couple of couple of shoots every sort of month, landscape shoots, and I would just take their advice on board and take what they say as gospel for the first sort of year and a half, two years in the club. And I was rapidly improving then. So I moved up to the intermediate section and I was winning competitions there as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've never understood photographers who don't take on board what a more experienced and better quality photographer is saying. If, if it's going to improve your work, take it on board. You you'll, will eventually reach a level where you can sort of stand on your own two feet and go, well, no, well, I like this for this reason. And then you can, you, you, there's even more personal development there. but. I would always take on board with somebody saying, even now, if, if somebody's coming at me as a better photographer, I would I would take it on board yeah, but with yeah. open arms, you know, because why not? Uh, nobody, I don't think anybody's a finished article, you know, everybody can improve. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the one of the things you said there, you know, around, you know, taking that advice on board is important but i guess also then shaping that to your own sort of vision um how have you sort of used the advice that you've got to you know to to shape your style and you know i guess first off how would you describe your style we'll start there and then we'll move on to the how, how that's evolved i guess a lot of my landscape work would be long exposure i've always had a thing for long exposures so mm-hmm. Probably moody long exposures would be my style. Um, yeah, it's um, a lot of my work would be based on more like emotion, and rather like I'm, I'm not so much interested in gear. I'm not so much interested in camera settings. It doesn't really 
I won't say it doesn't interest me because you need to know certain things, obviously, yep. to reach a certain level of ability. But um, I'm more about a, a mood and emotion. Like I, I, I'd be going to location i'd be sticking on a playlist of music and maybe that's gonna sort of influence how i'm gonna shoot or what i want to shoot when i get to the location sure. um lots of things would inspire me but um yeah i can't forget the question now i i guess really wanting to understand the uh the the shaping of that creative vision how have you uh how have you started to evolve your style from where you sort of started out as in the camera club as a beginner to you know becoming you know i mean you've you've recently just won the world landscape photography competition uh run by nigel danson and um a, a few others um you know can you tell us how that image came about and how that you know has been sort of a culmination of uh that development of your style yeah, that, that image, it, it wasn't really planned as such. It was planned and it wasn't planned. It was it was a lucky shot. Anybody can see that image. You don't go and plan that image. It just that happens. And I was lucky enough to be able to set my camera settings and capture the time. So the story behind the image is a wee bit emotional. Um, one of my wife's friends, Lindsay, um, she suffered from a brain tumor and mm -hmm. she passed away after battling cancer for five years. And as a landscape photographer, you know this, Grant. You're always watching the forecast and you're watching the conditions. So yep. the Dark Ages is, is an iconic location that's been in Game of Thrones and all of that. I've never yeah. seen Game of Thrones, but so I'm told. Um, I've been there. Really and, hard to take a photo without people in it too. <laughs> have you been, Yeah, have you been there? Yeah, I have. Yeah. It's probably hard to take a photo of it without birds as well. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah so... So Lindsay passed away on the 11th of April last year, 2021, mm. and her funeral was um, the 14th of April. And I was just checking the weather forecast the night before the 13th, and it had obviously forecast for fog and mist, which is a conditions that I've always wanted to shoot a location at. And back when I started, I, I always used to use wide-angle lenses yep. solely and go go wide or go home, you know, and more more in more recent years of had longer lens and stuff for using the 70 to 300 so that was one of the sort of images that i had in mind for using that lens with mm. to condense the trees so when the forecast for mist was there um i asked my wife flora would she mind making up because um i would give her the the call because obviously the morning she was chosen in a great place but she she must have wanted me out of the house so she said go on ahead and, and go on up before work um, so I headed on up the road for an hour up the road and got to the location and I was shooting and I think there was another photographer or two there, typical of the dark edges. Yep. They never stayed about too long. They got a couple of images with the fog and they headed on. And the classic shot is shooting in the middle of the road. And for me, it's, it's the best shot. That's, that's the only shot, you know, I don't like it off to the side. It's not as, it's not as, uh, pleasing. Um, yeah, yeah. and two little birds popped up on the side of the road and I was like, yeah, okay, some of these locations, so some of these settings here give me for like a number of seconds. If agents flying, I'm not getting anything sharp. So whacked up the ISO and um, just the F-stop and all that kind of thing and got it to sort of one thirtieth, I think, of a second. And the birds moved from the right-hand side of the road to the left-hand side of the road on the bottom of the, on, the, on the road. And I just 
stood my ground for another sort of four or five minutes and eventually they just fluttered up into the middle of the road where you see in the image and I got lucky and I got I got I got it. There's a couple of other shots where the birds, the shape of the birds look like two plastic bags flying in the wind. So yeah. um we could probably shoot a hundred of them and 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 get lucky and get one. I shot three and, and I managed to get lucky and get one. So um but as soon as I seen the image I, I thought of Lindsay and Simon, her husband and I come up with the uh the title Souls Tide straight away. Um yeah, yeah so I thought I'd seen it in the back of the camera and I was like, zoom in here to check that the birds are adequately sharp and writing off like there's 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 blurring of the wings, but I like that it, it added to the sort of mood. Yeah, I think I think that blurring adds adds you know to the you know dynamism of the image, if anything. Yeah, I thought it made it sort of look at maybe it's spookier sort of stereo looking, so um but but the heads of the birds were sharp and and that's that's what I wanted. So I was driving back down the road to log on to the computer for work before we went to the funeral. And um I phoned the wife and my wife was like, You're not gonna believe this. The shot I've got this morning, I said I think it could be a really special shot. And I explained to her what had happened. And she said, She's that's like Lindsay and Simon. So she was thinking along the same lines as me. So I think I was probably meant to go there that morning. And I think the, the shot was meant for me, you know, it was just a lucky shot. So yeah, no, it's got to say it's a it's a brilliant shot. Um, I guess obviously you know the 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 birds themselves are opportunistic. Do you often go into the field with the concept of what it is that you're looking for, or do you tend to go and react to what's going on in the landscape when when you get in into the field? So, I guess how much do you put down to planning? How much do you put down to you know opportunism? Not just for yeah. that, but in general. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I would, I would plan quite a lot. I would use apps for weather and tide. I like, I like seascape photography with long exposure. Mm -hmm. It's nice to have a bit of movement in the water, or, or at times make it go like glass. So I would plan tide times, weather apps, and all sorts. Of, for instance, I'm going to a location in Donegal tomorrow evening after work, which mm -hmm. is three-hour drive away with two photography friends, and. Um, I'm planning for that there. So it's this time of year where the nights are slightly longer and um, that you're getting the, the sunset at the right time. It's a it's a place called Hornhead, um, and it's just a massive uh, sea arch and it's just it's stunning. Um you 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 follow me on Twitter, so I'll stick a, a video up tomorrow when I'm, I'm up. You, you maybe see it tomorrow morning. Um yeah, it's an absolute it's like it's very Jurassic looking sort of it's amazing. I've been six times last year and never managed to get the image I wanted. Mm. Um, so um, I'm hoping it happens tomorrow. I was up again there last week and um, yeah, never got the image as well, but I'll, I'll keep going back to get it. Often I plan, um, but rarely, again, you know, yourself when you're shooting uh, landscape stuff, you can plan all you want, but sometimes the element have, elements have a different idea. So again, you know, it's about reacting to that. Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes that, as you said, you know, with your award-winning shot, you've got to react to what's going on. But, um, you know, sometimes I think the planning that you put in, being there at the right time with the right conditions is uh, one of the one of the key things. Is that something that uh, I guess you've, you know, taken on board as advice from, from others or is that something that you've just sort of stumbled into? Yeah, well, I think when you're doing this, I sort of started probably taking photographs in 2010. So it doesn't, it seems like yesterday, but it seems like years ago. And I suppose it's 12 years. 
after a while you sort of you sort of develop that skill a wee bit, you know, but I mean all of you know, all of the planning in the world and the reacting sometimes the conditions don't just give you what you want and you're having to go locations a number of times, like the hornhead tomorrow night. Yeah. Fingers crossed it works. But um yeah, sometimes all the reacting in the world in the world, I, I would be very, very hard to please. Um and I would be on my own harshest critic, you know, I would always sort of be super critical of my own work. There's there's not a lot of my work that I genuinely love. Like I hear people coming on podcasts all the time and yeah. the the love of uh, quite a lot of what they shoot. Um I don't know. It's I don't know what it is with me. I'd be very self-critical and um never really satisfied. There's probably only a few images in my portfolio that I sit back and go, yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. You know, but this, yeah, it's one of those ones. You know, that's maybe a personality thing. Yeah, no, that's that, that's that's great. What about you? Your favourite spots? I mean, obviously, Hornhead, as you said, is uh, you know a, a biggie for you that you you're still chasing. Are there any others that you sort of find yourself drawn back to just because they're, you know, I mean, they might be iconic or not. Um, but are there any favourite spots that you've got that uh, you know you you just have to go to? You keep getting called back to. Um, in Ireland, yeah, there's there's always like there's Donegal's full of places. Um, mm-hmm. um, there's Mullinhead and and Donegal, it's Ireland's most northerly point. It's and uh, there's a classic shot there. of an image there from a few years ago that. Um, I have in my portfolio, and I was there again another the other week as well um trying to better that but again it's it's the right time of the year when they, then when the, the evenings are long and the sun's setting in the right spot to get the side light and stuff um and you've maybe a, a a number of weeks to get it but having a newborn child you know you can't just get up and go three hours away as as, as often as i would have done maybe two months ago before he was born but um Connemara and Donegal, or Connemara and, and uh, Andy Galway, stunning as well. If you've seen images of there, a few of there as well. Um, the north coast of Ireland, um, stunning as well. Um, there's like Dunleys Castle, there's Giant's Causeway, Bally Castle, um, Mossad and Temple, Downhill Beach. Yeah, there's there's loads all over Ireland. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think, um, you know, you certainly live in a uh, beautiful part of the world. I, um, did a visit over there a few years ago, pre-COVID. Um, unfortunately, I, I was based mainly down in the the south of Ireland, so you know, lots lots of shots of the Ring of Kerry. We did a day trip up into Northern Ireland, um, went to the Giants Causeway and Carrickareed and that sort of thing, and it was probably the foggiest foggiest day for for months. So. Um, got to the Giants Causeway, you couldn't see um, more than about three or four feet in front of you. So it was right. kind of, as a Not photography good. trip, well, it wasn't so great. So you, so you couldn't see all of the tourists then? Well, you could you, you could hear them around you and you could yeah. sort of see these dim shapes moving around in the, in the fog. But Sounds like a horror film. You, could, you couldn't see um, the sea, you couldn't see the, the, the Giants Causeway. The Giants Causeway is a funny one because it's a sunset shot, you know, there's no doubt about it, but um, the amount of tourists there all over the stones and stuff, whenever you're, you're taking an image, is, it's off putting. So I yeah. think on the winter months, I'd go back up this month to maybe try and get a moody image um, at sunrise whenever there's nobody about, you know, just something 
uh, about different. It's quite hard to compose. And I mentioned the, in the Giants Causeway, it's, it's almost like we're in the forest and you can't see the way through the trees. It's just very, very hard to find a decent composition. You, you'll find a lot of landscape photographers use three or four set compositions at the Giants Causeway and, and yeah. that you don't see too much else, you know. Yeah. Um, you, were, you were saying you were in Kerry. I don't know how I forgot about Kerry. Kerry is absolutely stunning and dangling down that way, you know, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. But had had some really nice conditions down there. Um, you know, uh, there, there was a little bit of fog, but it was mostly down in some of the valleys, uh, as opposed to being everywhere and all over my shot, which was, you know, uh, <laughs> a little little annoying for uh, you know that. Unfortunately, as I said, it was just a one day deal, so I couldn't uh, couldn't sort of get back up there. Uh, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, if, oh, you're, if you're ever back in Ireland, if you're ever back in Ireland, give me a shout and we'll meet up for a shoot, definitely. Absolutely, that that sounds great. Thank you. Um, I guess obviously that influences uh, what you shoot. Does it? Do you find that you know living where you do? Does that influence how you shoot as well? So, is it mostly seascapes and the the coastline or mountains or you know? I guess what you know what is it that I guess uh, you find that where you live influences how you shoot? When I first took up the backup photography in two thousand ten, I joined the camera club. The consensus of the camera club is like, well. You got to shoot everything because we want to compete against other camera clubs. But when I joined the camera club, I really just wanted to shoot landscape. Yep. I was, I was kind of uh, intrigued by long exposure. It's, it was banned photography magazines and soaking up everything that was in the articles there and the tips there as well as it was in the camera club. And at the time, I was seeing a lot of long exposures. I go, like, oh, I want to try that. I want to get filters. I'll get lead filters and I'll, I'll create my own ones kind of thing of locations close to me, you know, that are. Mm -hmm. So it was iconic for somebody on here. How much of your success would you attribute to your ability to communicate well? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know, honestly. Um, I don't know that I really had much success either. Um, I just like making images. Um, I just like, I don't like the standard landscape image. I like to put mood and feeling into an image. So I suppose in terms of my my work and stuff and communicating i don't like bright and breezy and you know those sort of simpsons blue sky white clouds kind of thing i would much rather have changeable moody conditions so um i suppose if you want to sort of link that to my work and mm -hmm. i don't know if it's my personality or either um because i'm pretty happy for my life and stuff so um yeah it's i, I don't know I, I can't answer that no that's fine that's fine I'm um, <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's, it's all good, mate. Um, I guess, how are you finding now with uh, your, your, your new baby uh, balancing, you know, lifestyle with your photography? You know, are you a full-time photographer or are you doing it on the side? No, I have a full-time job. I'm still working an office job, nine to five, Monday to Friday kind of thing. Um, two days in the office, three in the house because of COVID still, but um, I also have a weekend job as well. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, the, which is 12-hour shifts, so there's not a lot of free time. Um, that was all before the baby, and now, of course, our baby Levi is born as well, so there's even less time, um, and you have that constant, you have children, can't you? 
Yeah, well, they're, yeah. they're all adults now, three three girls. They're, uh, I think, the oldest. Lucky you. you. Lucky you. You can get out and photograph them. Yeah, well, I can so now. You know, yeah. you know you've got that. You know you've got that cost instead of just. I've, like... I've also packed in full time work, so uh, I can. Uh, I, I got plenty of time to go out and shoot whenever well, I want. Keep rubbing it in, sure. Yeah, keep rubbing it in. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you, you know that sort of constant like six out of ten tiredness kind of thing where you're. But Levi's eight weeks old and on Saturday coming, and I think I've been out three times. Three tomorrow will be my fourth time. Um, yeah night shooting but only this will be my third with three of the four times we've been out at sort of proper locations you know one was just a local location so um i'm finding it's it's severely limited but with a week with a week booked in connemara for the end of september so i'll i'll we have the the in-laws coming down it was a tactical invite so that they could do a bit of babysitting and we could me and my wife could maybe go to the pub some night and i'll be up for sunrise and be done sunset every day we're away you know so with an extra two pair of hands to sort of look after Levi while I can indulge in a bit of photography to keep me... Uh, to, keep take me... advantage of it, mate. It makes all the difference having that extra set of hands around. Yeah, big time. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to Colomara and I, I would hope to sort of try and nail a few shots, you know, in the bag that, that I'm personally sort of pleased with before then. So, right. yeah. It's, it's tough not getting out as much I won't lie. You know, it's... Especially if it's your passion. Like, it's not my... It's not my job it's it's not i don't call it a hobby i call it a passion because if i'm not making new images i'm kind of bored of sharing old images repeatedly on facebook yep. and instagram and twitter and all that you know just i'd rather be out making images and um it's the same as making images like i'd rather be out in field on location traveling to location that sort of buzz that excitement the thrill of the chase than i would be sitting at a computer uh, processing an image as well yeah yeah so talk to me a little, little bit about that, I guess, you know, um, we'll start off with how you how you work in the field. What are you what are you looking for when you get into the fields? I mean, you know, assuming it's, you know, somewhere that you've not been before and you, you're trying to scout an image, what what sort of things are you, you know, driving for and, and, and looking for to to incorporate into uh, into a shot? Um I'll be honest, I don't mind if it's like a, a classic, um, they call them honeypot. I, I, it doesn't bother me to have a honeypot sort of location and a honeypot shot like Malin Head. Yep. Um, because I know if it's an image that pleases me at the end of the day, it's it's quality. Because um, again, I'll come back to it being so hard to please. Um, I'll describe location, look on social media. Um, not just other photographers' stuff, but you know, standard sort of iPhone snaps from random people because sometimes you'll see an iPhone snap from a random person of a random location. Think I could, I could, there's there's a shot there somewhere, so you can go and you can sort of scope it out and might yeah. take a few visits. But you know, you could get an image out of it. You know, sometimes images that are unplanned, sometimes images that are unplanned, um, are sort of local locations are the most rewarding because it's just it's just been gifted to you you know it's not like a dark edges or it's not like a giant's causeway yeah, yeah. nothing big it's just a nice little shot of a, a woodland scene or something or something like a, a minimalist seascape and sometimes that can turn you on as much as a honeypot you know yeah absolutely yeah so what what about uh when you you know you you get 
into the field itself are you you know dropping the tripod where you think you should and getting snapping or are you hunting around a little bit longer before you uh, get into into shooting and taking your time about it sometimes you get to a location and there's like quite limited sort of images of what you can take and sometimes there's a there's a good handful so yeah. i'll stick the tripod down on the floor and the camera back down and i'll just I'll have a wander about and stuff and then I'll do a second sort of wander about with the camera in my hand, sort of checking out different focal lengths and stuff and, and trying to work the, the foreground and stuff and, and obviously mm -hmm. the, the background to complete the image. But um, I'll do that there and then I'll sort of probably settle on a shot and you'll be taking a few images and then you think, oh. and then you're looking in the back of the camera and you're zooming in and it's like, no, there's something here that I'm not quite happy with. So yeah, you're slightly out of balance, balance or whatever, yeah. Yeah, or just sometimes it's just like one little rock or something that annoys me, and now that's it. Like you know, it's like it's like if you're shooting a long exposure and the, the clouds are streaking. But I like I like the clouds, and I don't like any like parts of any of the corners of the image. I like the if it's a heavy sort of moody sky. It has to be yeah, sort yeah. of down over the holes. It has to be sort of bringing it down in, you know. So we tiny things will annoy me and stuff. Um, I'm not I'm not sort of clone sort of things out or anything or add things in and. Okay. Production instead of as in camera, so that's the way it would work. Cool. So I'll, I'll ask you a little bit about the processing. Do you, you know, you're straight in. Pardon me. I'll ask you a bit about the processing. You're straight into it, and uh, you know, editing as soon as you, you you get them home, or are you taking your time about it and you know, leaving it? I mean, some photographers I've spoken to won't look at an image for months before they uh, they start editing and even then it might you know be several edits over a period are you one of those sorts of photographers or are you one that gets into it gets it done and you know leaves it yeah. so the, the end thing to say on instagram is stick it up in your story and say let it marinate and yeah. then people will let it marinate for all of two days and then uh, post it on instagram <laughs> um it depends on the very very rarely would i edit straight away um, going back to what I said earlier on, I much prefer to be out in field shooting. Um, that's where I get real enjoyment, you know. Post-processing, I'm working, I would post-process on a, a MacBook Pro, which is, I think, nine years old. So it sounds like a, an airplane at the moment, and I'm on my wife's uh, work computer in the Zoom because there's something wrong with the sound in mind. It, it runs really slow. I think to do a 20-minute edit on my MacBook Pro at the moment. You're talking, it could take two to three hours. So. Wow. <laughs> processing, but I never, I never really have. Not I did sort of in the earlier days, you know, when I was sort of first starting out the first couple of years. But in re, in the last sort of five, sort of six, seven years, I've, I've sort of let them sit any time between sort of a couple of weeks and a couple of months. I was out, I was out in February with a good friend Michael shooting the snow up in the Belfast Hills, um, and I think I got a, a decent little shot there, but. They're loaded onto the computer and then they're moved off the computer to create space on the external hard drive, but I haven't even looked at them yet, you know. Wow, okay. I'll maybe, I'll maybe leave it to November or something when people are sick of snowy shots and I'll add it down. Yeah, stick up the yeah. autumn shots in spring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah my stuff's all over the place. So <laughs> I'm a bit like that. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything better than running through your, your old shots, particularly some of the ones that when you initially looked at them, you thought, oh, yeah, well, it's a secondary shot. I'll get I'll get back to that maybe, you know. But coming back to it, you know, months later or even years later in some cases and going, yeah, I'll take another look at that and, you know, 
coming up and going, yeah, well, that's actually better than the one I thought was, you know, the the, the top shot. Yeah, <laughs> we we were when we were my New York in 2018. I think it was February 18. Or was it 17? I think it was 18. And um, I was in the Guggenheim. We went to the Guggenheim because I'd wanted to go in and shoot a wee bit of architecture, high key stuff. Mm-hmm. And of course, we went and it was closed because of a bank holiday or something. So we went into the gift shop and looking up straight away, I could see, I could see an image. And I, I asked the guy, it was just us in the gift shop, and I asked the guy, can I? I lay on the ground and get my tripod out, and he's like, "Yeah, work away, go on ahead." So I shot that image, and I never did anything with it. And I was sitting bored one night, a couple of years later during lockdown. I think it was mid twenty twenty, and I was like, "Let's do, let's do old shots. If there's anything I can yep. polish up, you know, edit, and got a good image out of it. Like it's a nice high key sort of architecture thing. So sometimes a bit of a pair of fresh eyes is good. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think sometimes letting it, you know sit and gestate uh, for a while actually helps because it clears your, clears your head from the experience that you had because, you know, I, I normally come home and if, if I know I've got a, a really, you know, banging shot, I'm I'm quite excited to get into it and, and edit it. But sometimes, you know, kicking back and just leaving it for a while, um, I, I find it helps me sort of clear my head of the excitement and then, you know, you get back into you know, a, a more, I guess, hard-nosed edit around, okay, what's good, what's bad, what do I need to crop out, what do I need to, you know, it, you know, keep in, you know, what what am I, you know, what am I doing with those tones and the, the, the contrast and so forth, you know, do, do yeah, I, I agree. do I do my... I think the Sorry? I think the, time of day, I think the time of day when you're editing as well, like the sort of edit sort of, not on bright sunny days, obviously you have the blinds closed and stuff, but um, when you're processing, but um, I think it's sort of, again, like sort of maybe in an evening sort of, well, I was going to say that's kind of like, but it's sort of getting dark now, you know, sort of that would be the kind of time, you know, we can just sit and sort of and, and relax and do it sort of thing when things are too bright, it sort of affects. I've, I've done that before and I've edited and that means when it's been too bright and then all of a sudden I've looked at it sort of in an evening, sort of in a, in a duller room. Like, yeah. No, that off. Yeah. No, I know. I know exactly what you mean. It's uh, it, it's amazing how much difference you know, just, as you say, just the lighting in the room can can make to you know, not just your mood, but also how you you know ha- how you sort of bring the edit around. You know, and for me, it, it it's really that you know, take your time, look at it a few times. I mean, there's, I mean, there's plenty of stuff that I put on the Instagram, which are just, you know, quick edits. I shot this yesterday or today or whatever. And, you know, I want, I'm, I'm excited to share it, but, you know, I know it's not my best work, but that's not necessarily, I'm not, I'm not one of those sort of portfolio, um, uh, what do you call it? Curated, uh, you know, photographers where you know they're only putting their portfolio shots up i i will put up pretty much anything that i think is worth a look whether it gets lots of likes or not i don't really care it's more you know here's here's my stuff here's what i'm working on you know sometimes it'll just be a work in progress and i'll go you know this this is you know what what i want to show you today you know i think with the likes and social media it's like it's it's all sort of who cares because it's throwaway, you know, you'd be scrolling through Instagram, you know yourself. You yep. you could if somebody it means more to me if somebody stops and actually makes a see all these sort of like awesome or stunning that 
you know, or a, a, just a comment, it's an emoji, like it doesn't really mean anything, you know. Um, I think if somebody's put on a thoughtful comment mm. or something, the vaccine, show, showing that they've actually looked at the image means an awful lot more than, say, 500 or 1,000 likes or whatever, you know, because it's, it's all it's all so, so fast-tracked. The social media, you know, will anybody really remember my shot that they've seen two minutes earlier? Probably not, you know, yeah. uh, for, the most, for the most part, like, you know, I'm, I'm sort of honest about it because that's, that's not just me, like most photographers, you know, as well, I, I think yeah, it's just the way it is. It moves so fast, especially on Twitter. Like you think and you would miss loads oh, on Twitter, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and the algorithms aren't helping, uh, helping anyone either because, you know, you, I mean, particularly on Instagram, I don't know what your standard feeds like. I've, I've started using the following feed um almost exclusively on instagram simply because that gives... I, I i didn't even know about that i sort of yeah so you, you you tap on the instagram logo at the top and then it says following underneath and tap that and that actually gives you a more chronological feed um all right okay whereas like, kind of like it used to be yeah it's more like what it used to be it's, it's not 100 percent, but it's, it's better than better than the standard feed because the standard feed i find is full of reels and ads and i rarely see photographers that i follow so if you if you do what you've said there do you get less sort of adverts i wouldn't say you get less ads but <laughs> it's, it's terrible but i've never like but you, you tend to see more yeah you tend to see more of who you follow as opposed to you know all of the reels and whatever unless you know who you follow is just posting reels obviously but yeah. I've, I've never understood algorithm in any sort of social media um i kind of that's i had a facebook page that has sort of i don't know what it is something like seven thousand followers and you mm. post an image and anything from i think it was in around about 2014 um anything after 2000 the end of 2014 when you post an image um it was maybe getting 16 likes and i don't know how it's getting 16 likes if you've x amount of followers yeah. Which isn't the ground amount of followers, but like you, you should get. It just means nobody's seeing it. So at, at that point, Facebook were looking you to pay them money to promote your work to people that have actually liked your page. So I, I, I sort of gave up on Facebook totally and yeah. went over to Instagram. I had an Instagram and gave it up like a personal one, just snaps of family stuff, you know. And then I, I went back into it, um, 2013, 14, mm -hmm. and. It's sort of, I see a lot of Instagram getting a lot of negative press, but it's going a bit like TikTok and videos and all that kind of crap. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I've had a Twitter for years and years, and I've only started using it sort of daily since January. So, yeah. now I, I started, uh, would have been about 2010, I think, on Twitter. And um, uh, photography wasn't a thing on Twitter back then, so uh, didn't didn't see a lot. You know, followed followed comedians and news and that sort of thing, and very rarely posted. It was mostly just me, you know, consuming stuff. Uh, yeah, very rarely. I like news and stuff. Yeah, I, I might make a comment here and there, but very very rarely. But um, you know, when photography Twitter sort of blew up uh, a, a year or so ago. Um, yeah, obviously started to find and follow a lot more photographers. And, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I found you is because I followed somebody that, you know, was also in the, the, the competition that you won and then saw your okay. name pop up as the winner and thought, oh, better, better have a look at his stuff because he's winning stuff. So. <laughs> oh, uh, 
won something, winning stuff's a bit sort of, I don't count comic club as winning stuff, you know, it's... Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> I think like, I, I'm very honest, like, you know, the shot's a special shot and it's a stunning shot, but when I shot it, I didn't, I didn't phone the wife and say, I think about an absolute cracker here. Yeah. And that was the actual closing date of UK Landscape Photographer of the Year, which I would enter every year and yeah. always get rejected and very rarely shortlisted for it. I have had one image in it um, back in 2016. And when I first took up photography, it wasn't so much the comic club and the advanced members that were inspiring me. It was like landscape photographers in England, you know, mm-hmm. that were shooting like I'm down here and they're way up here. And I, that's yeah, what you yeah. aspire to sort of achieve, you know, and get to that level, like not necessarily yeah. shoot the same stuff, but get to that level. And um, when I got one in 2016, I was over the moon. So we went over to London and all for it. But I've, uh, I've entered a few images since. Shortlisted a few times, but never really any further. So I've only made the book once. I'm shortlisted again this year with two images. One that's been popular this year, but I can't name what image it is. It mightn't get into the book if it's won something else. So, um, what's what's your most memorable experience when uh, out shooting? Can I name Can I name a couple? Yeah, sure. What whatever. Um, um, you know, it, it, even one, better if you've got a horror story. I have a I have a couple of horror stories. Go for it. Um, do you want to go with the horror stories? Because nobody wants to hear hear a happy story. Uh, well, I'll give you a slight happy story and then a horror story two days later. So I'm That's 42. Good. In February 2020, I became 40, and my wife knew Lofoten was uh, my dream location to shoot. And, you know, you're shooting from the Hamlet Bridge, and you're getting the red huts in the mountain in the background, the classic image, but there's all sorts of images. And it's like between from Belfast to the north coast away, they're all within sort of an hour of each other. These absolutely stunning, stunning images. Mm. And quite often you're getting great conditions. And there was a little red hut, uh, an image. Um, and it's a little red hut, fishing hut in Ramberg, uh, just outside Hamnoy, and this in the Fulton Island. Um, and we booked the trip, and that was one of my main images. It wasn't the classic sort of honeypot image, but all photographers take this too. And I had it in my head, you know, again, shooting landscape photography. How often do you have a picture in your head? Often I have a picture in my head of what I want to visualize and what I want to create. Yep. And nine times, more than nine times out of ten, it doesn't happen because I can't control the weather. I've had a superpower that would be what I want to control the weather. That's exactly how I want it. <laughs> and uh, so we, we, Blizzard one day, we're on the second sort of day in the footing uh, of a 10-day trip. It costs about 5,000 pounds to get there and stuff. You know, you have two flights and you have a ferry and stuff over to the Fulton Islands. So we drive from Hamnoy down to Ramberg to shoot this little red hut because I wanted totally isolated. I didn't want to see this, the background mountains and stuff. I just wanted the, there to be snow on the bottom of the image, the red hut, and then just nothing, just just totally minimalist. And I said to my wife, so I was like, right, this blizzard here, let's get down to Hamburg. It's only half an hour away. I could get this image if the snow keeps up. So we get down to Hamnoy, and it was the most, uh, just in terms of shooting, I've been shooting for 12 years, but in terms of shooting, it was the happiest I've been. Mm. Um, my wife and I is there with the umbrella over because I've got the filter over the lens and stuff. I'm taking images, and I know I've got a great image. About a 30th of a second, you get little wisps of snow and stuff and sort of a grey sky, but you're, it's just minimalist. You know, you're not seeing anything behind the red hot. It's beautiful. Get the image and stuff, and 
again then t- another couple of days into the holiday so it's like third or fourth day into the holiday uh, sunrise and um we go to i think i'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this i think it's called Udeklev beach and oh, no. um, it's well it's hard to spell i'll let you know how to spell i'll send you a message <laughs> how to spell and just you should see some of the images from from it it's absolutely stunning i never got what i wanted um but we're shooting uh it was a sunday morning i remember it so clearly shooting and shooting and the, the best light's gone because i'm shooting an hour after sunrise and thinking i know i'm not you know those times you're not going to get anything but yep. you're in a stunning location you've paid loads of money to get there i'll keep shooting because that's what i'm here to do and you just never know your luck something yeah. sometimes something happens something did happen um so i'm shooting at the rocks and there's waves coming up but not not too far and i'm shooting there for about half an hour different exposures sort of one second two seconds i'm sort of adjusting the settings to get the different flow of the water and a wave came in and knocked me off my feet knocked my tripod off my feet yeah. cameras attached yeah. um i went down and i swear i was only down for like two seconds, three seconds at the most, got back up on the tripod. The camera was soaked, uh, Nordic salt water. Did it, did it survive? Nordic salt water, the best water to ever in a Canon 5D Mark IV. Um, <laughs> tripod come up with two legs and you do photography, oh, so you know the tripods are three legs. So the tripod was gone. The filter holder, I don't know how, was got attached from the end of the, the lens with two leaf filters attached. So that was about 300 quid's worth gone. Mm-hmm. And you know that attitude, that's fine, that not happened to me. I, I got up to the car, my wife thought something, well, something bad had happened, but my wife thought somebody had died. Like I was, I was wearing a pair of waders as well. So I was, my eyes were, water was coming out of my eyes and I was in convulsions <laughs> as I couldn't move. And, and that, the water was that cold. I don't know if it, well, it was a shock or whatnot, but I could physically couldn't move my hand. She took the camera off me and dumped it in the back of the car. I was like, we need to get back to the hotel. I need to get this new radiator. Uh, um, did all that, put it in rice, blah, blah, blah. Camera never worked again. And yeah, so the camera never worked again. Lost the tripod, lost two filters. Lost this, I think it was using 70, 17 to 40 lens. I think in all, nothing was insured. Uh, in all, I lost about £4,500 worth of um, uh, camera gear. I'm stuck up on social media again, you know, thinking camera will be grand, you know, and I'd never had an experience like this before. The camera will be grand, it'll work so well. I was sort of convinced, you know, that attitude would not happen to me. Yeah. Would anybody have any leaf filters or do you know where I can buy leaf filters in the photon? And there was a there was a guy running a workshop from I think he was from Derry in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um he's run a workshop and he followed me and he, he said, Listen, I'm running a workshop here. There's a guy. We're two hours away from where you're staying. He can lend you filters. He can lend you a tripod and the filter holder. I was like, happy days. Um, give us your address. We'll come down tonight because he was going the next day. Yeah, amazing. So we drove down and the, the guy says, I don't think your camera's going to work again. Can you buy another camera? And I, I said, no, I can't buy another camera. We'll spend a lot of money to come here. Um, I haven't won the lotto, you know, so. Yep. He says, is there anybody that could lend you a camera because of another guy coming out in a couple of days time? So I was like, well, my dad's got a 5D Mark II. So long story short, um, another guy coming out on this this fella from Daddy's workshop um, brought my dad's camera out. So I was able to use a mixture of my dad's camera and the other, some of my gear that survived and, and another guy, Andy Coulter's um, gear that he lent me. So it was a, a stopgap, but I couldn't relax after I, I 
I couldn't make any images that I wanted to. The only thing that survived was um, uh, the, the, the images from the first couple of days. And I was so, so glad because if I could pick one thing to survive in hindsight, it would be... Yeah, you want the memory card to survive, yeah. Yeah, because it, it, I, I, got, I think I got probably my, 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 my personally favourite image that I've ever shot. I call it Surviving the Elements. And it's one of those images where... It was a blizzard, so I, I actually titled the image Surviving the Elements when I was shooting, not because of what happened a couple of days later, but then again, it, it, it had a it had a deeper meaning, you know? Yeah, so so from from hero to zero in like two days, it was, yeah, it was crazy. So I have unfinished business with the Fulton, um, and I want to get out there to shoot again, so um, mm, definitely. Anybody's listening to the podcast and wants to send me some money, um, I'm, I'm willing to take another clip there. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's on the list. If they're sending money, I'll 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 let it filter through my account first. <laughs> oh yeah, go go through your insurance. I'll take a small cut. <laughs> no, but you know that it's oh, the photo is just so beautiful. Like it's everywhere you turn, there's it's it's there's it's just beauty. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's, it's one, of those, one of those iconic yeah. places that doesn't matter yeah. which way you face you. There's a there's a shot. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you that image surviving the elements yeah, for, perfect. you know yeah. for this but um, it's definitely one of my favourites um, so pleased that it, it survived and that was I knew the camera was dead after a couple of days and I was just waiting on my dad's camera coming to try the memory card and when I knew that when I knew that the images were safe yeah I was I was, I was happy like yeah no that's incredible what have you learned about the world through photography Salt water is bad for cameras. It's the first thing, you know. <laughs> uh, what have I learned about the world of photography? Um, well, that experience there, like, you know, social media can be a positive place because, I mean, without social media, I wouldn't have my dad's camera. Yeah, I wouldn't would have had my stuff. But it can also be a, a negative place as well. You know, I've had people send me abusive messages on social media. I don't know, like, so... From 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 the start of taking landscape photographs, I don't know that it answers the question, but I take a lot more in in terms of when I'm out on location. I'll just be I'll just find myself someday sitting in work looking at the office and going, Jesus, look how quick those clouds are moving. That would be a, a great long exposure. Yep. You're taking you you take more interest in the little things, mm. which are really the big things, like the landscape and looking after it and stuff. Um you take more interest in that there. Whereas before landscape photography, I would never have thought of stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Um you wouldn't notice it. Yeah. yeah, no, I wouldn't have a clue. Yeah. If, if you have um, any way of leading me on to some of the tangent, to answer that question better, you know, I can do that and you can edit this out. That's fine. <laughs> you, you're you're going to have like a 30 minute podcast here of me no, no, crying no. about an it's accident. All good. It's all good. Most of this will go in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to listen to this back. <laughs> Sorry, right, I don't have a good one. And then there's <laughs> the accent as well, which is going to be bad. Uh, once I finish the uh, the overall edit, I, I never listen to them again. <laughs> that, that's probably a good thing in this case. Yeah, I, you've had I, some, mate. You've had some live. Like, you've had some great, like Rachel Stewart, isn't it? Yeah, Rachel. Rachel was on uh, a, a few weeks ago. Um, had um, Alistair Ben. Um, he, uh, Alistair Ben, love his work. Yeah, I've had had quite a few. Uh, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to connect with uh, quite a few people, and um, you know, for for me, I mean, this this started as a, a COVID project. Um, I 
we, we were in lockdown for 165 days, uh, couldn't go more than five kilometres away. And where I live is suburban Sydney. And I'm not a suburban photographer. I know, I know there's people out there that do that sort of urban, banal, you know, yeah, shot, shots of telegraph poles or, you know, um, uh, you know, a tree. It's a, telegraph pole. it's a telegraph pole. It doesn't interest me either. I have to say, I was, I was looking through your work whenever you asked me to do this. Um, and your, I think there's an NFT for sale on Foundation. The one of Sydney Harbour is absolutely stunning. Yeah, but, but see, the, see, I like how it looks in Foundation before you click into it. See that square crop? Mm. I think it's much better. I don't like I, You need to see it bigger, but I, if you've looked, uh, you know you've asked me to do this because of that um, competition win. But I would be, I would be partial to a square crop, up, quite like a square crop. I don't know why. And I think the more I take images in square, the more I start to see in square. Yeah. Um, and so I'm subconsciously looking for square crops, but I think that that is an absolutely stunning square crop image. The color is just the color is lovely. Like. That's somewhere yeah. I would love to photograph. Well, thank, thanks very much for that. Um, I mean, I, I've been, it, it's funny, some some stuff I'll leave in a, you know, the standard three by two, but, uh, you know, quite a lot of stuff recently, I've been sort of looking at different crops and, you know, I'm sort of being attracted more to that, that square one by one to, you know, just, you know, nail into, you know, that that focus point in the image and, yeah. It's lovely as well when you print an image and you have a nice white border around a natural white border around an image. It's just Absolutely. it's just yeah. clean looking, so it is. Well, I've got one got one on the wall of uh, Glasshouse Rocks, which is uh, about oh, four or five hours south of where I live, and um, stunning sort of sea stacks. One of them's got this sort of lovely curve. It look it actually looks a bit like a, a a massive wave breaking on the on the shore. But I've got you know that. Done in a square crop on on the wall, as you said, with that white border around. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. How, how far away from you would that be? That that's about four hours, five hours drive from uh, from so my you place. Would be, you would be like me then. You would just no no bother, just get in the car and go. Oh, absolutely. If uh, if I think I can get there, I've actually just recently um, uh, invested in a uh, motorhome, so um, I'm going to be planning to. Travel around and uh, live in that rather than uh, uh, in, in a house for. Are you, are, you allowed, are you allowed to swear in this podcast? No, you're making me yeah, jealous yeah, again. I don't, I don't care. Oh, yeah. Really? I was uh, going to call you a bastard there because you're retired <laughs> or you're you're not working. Your kids are growing up, and I have a motor home, so you're. you're I'm rubbing it in. Off, I'm like, uh, maybe get out once this month. Uh, the hornhead, and I'm so excited for tomorrow night to go out and shit like, but. If it's anything like last time, I'll be coming back with my table between my legs because I'm disappointed. But I have a good feeling about it tomorrow night. But yeah. I would love, I would love to get a Volkswagen. I'm a Volkswagen kind of guy. I have a 1963 Volkswagen Beetle. Lovely. And, now, um, now, now I'm the jealous one. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, because of her Beetle love bug, you know, growing up as a child, mm -hmm. born in 1980. So um, it was all because that was an eBay purchase. But I would love, if I won the lotto, I used to say, well, for one, a lot, I would still get a 1960s Volkswagen Camper, but I would also get a modern one and I would be quitting my job and could just go around shooting. I'd be traveling all over England, all over Ireland, Scotland and, and making yeah. images. That, that, that was my original plan. And then, uh, you know, I, I finished up work and it was kind of like, okay, well, now, now's the time. If I'm going to do it, got to, got to do it. So, uh, 
yeah, the the wife and I are uh, are off on our trip. We we take delivery in November, so um, look, looking oh, forward to, to getting out there and getting uh, into some new adventures there, and uh, not having to not having to drive five hours just to get a sunrise. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, right, I have five been... hours, park up, and then walk to walk to the sunrise uh, from the the car park. There, there... Levi was born in June, so it was April, it was two months before. That was my cutoff point. Like I would sometimes go away and sleep in the car with maybe one other photography buddy, and we would just wind the seats back, sleeping bag, and sleep in the car for a night or two. Um, yeah. to make, I mean, just maybe to Connemara or something. Um, but I went by myself for the first time ever there back in, I think it was April. And um, it was the first time we did it on my own. I felt a bit nervous, you know, sleeping in the car two nights on your own, but because normally you have company, but... I do 12 hour shifts at the weekend, as I was saying, with a, with a second job. So I'm sort of used to my own company. So um, although I do like being out in the landscape with friends, I can tomorrow night I go with two friends to the location, but it's something quite refreshing. If I can dine on my own to Connemara for two days of my own, and I would yeah. surprisingly for being in the arsehole of nowhere in Ireland, certain parts you can get decent enough to signal to FaceTime the way so you could you could actually have a conversation with somebody, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So you weren't totally alone, but it was it was nice yeah. and that's something i plan to do more often but i'd love to get a camper van it would have to be volkswagen because you know but um i would love to get a camper van and and the beauty of like just just being able to wake up i wouldn't be doing i wouldn't be doing those instagram shots though you know with you you open the back doors and you're taking pictures of the bottom no, of your legs no, that, that, that turns me off that's not yeah. what i would be banned for no that that's that's not what that's not what it's for it's just for sleeping in they won't. They won't. Yeah, I mean, there might be the odd shot of the the, the van when I take uh, th take delivery, but beyond that, I don't plan to take many shots of that. I've, again, oh, yeah, no, no. it is boring. <laughs> yeah, about that. Yeah, no, but yeah, that's that's brilliant, man. I'd love to. There's there's a Volkswagen van. This is kind of in a different podcast, but there's a Volkswagen van for like fifty nine grand or something down close to where we live, and the colours lovely. And I've seven white flowers. Could we afford it? Could we afford it? What about any sell my car? How much would it be a month? But it's still, it's never going to happen, you know. Uh, no, you never know. I'm not, you never not, know you like. Not, yeah. Need to win a few more competitions, wouldn't you? Well, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get famous. Definitely, definitely. You mentioned. No, do you, do you do a lot of printing of your work? Do you print your own or do you use a service? Or? I don't print my own. I use a company in in Scotland, Glasgow, that they print it lastly. Um, Actually, somebody contacted me that seen an image on Twitter today, and you know, sometimes as a photographer, you get a comment as as a print available of this, and you say yes, you send me a message, and then they reply and say, "Well, sure, I'll have what I can say," and then you never hear from them again. But I, it's the, the lady actually ordered two prints, so two prints are going off to um, I think it's Chicago, Chicago. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I would get the odd print sale and stuff. I love like there's nothing more see. The only thing that beats seeing an absolutely what you believe is a cracker image in the back of your camera is seeing the final print on a nice textured fine art paper, absolutely. lovely border around it, and, and and go large. Like I love a large print. Like I've a, I've a couple of I've two large prints in the house of my own stuff. Um, one of Guggenbara and one of um, the Red Hot and the and the Floating. Um, and they're they're thirty by thirty, and then I think. Uh, something like 36 by 46 or something like that down in the living room but 
Um, I love I love a large print and on lovely textured paper. I think that's I know there's all this thing about selling JPEGs and stuff on Twitter and on NFTs and stuff, but nothing for me. Like other than seeing the image in the back of the camera, which you truly believe is a stunner, is then seeing it eventually printed properly on a beautiful paper. It's just it's such a rewarding feeling. That's why you do it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you know if, you can, if, if there's one message anyone can get out of uh you know this podcast is you know print your work. It's you know I, I think it's it, it is the epitome of uh why you do what you do. Yeah, like I mean I, I think I, I get so nervous talking in front of people and stuff and knowing that well when people see my name, maybe not many people will listen to this one because they don't know who I am, but um if anybody gets anything from it, it's like they'll hear the passion when I, I, I talk about printing the stuff. I just love it, you know. Yeah, time. Everybody should everybody should print the shot that they're proud of, no matter what level they are. Absolutely agree. Have you ever hit a creative wall? Mm, loads, lots, lots. So, what have you done to uh, handle that, and you know, have you have you got yourself out of it? Before before Levi came along, my son, um, my motto would be to. Should excuse the language. Um, I'm Irish. Should should uh, shoot through the shit. I would always say, like it's like, you know, like you go through a barn run of you, you go out and you're you're shooting and yep. you're checking conditions and you're just not getting what you're promised and weather ops and tight. Well, you always get what you're promised. Test. You're just not getting what you want. Later for a certain location and stuff. And you go. Everybody goes through barn runs and uh, you know, just keep shooting through it because. If you don't leave the house and you don't take your camera out, you're not going to get an image. There's, you, you have no chance. Um, so I would just try and, and shoot as much as possible. And eventually you'll just get that one image that sort of gets you back on track. And I would be, so I would think I would be a confidence photographer. Like, so I think once I produce one decent image, sort of, I maybe get a couple of, a wee run of decent images over the period of a few months and then I mightn't get anything yeah, uh, yeah. for a couple of months. For images that I truly love, like as I say, there's, there's, there's a handful of my portfolio that I would truly properly love and think that are right up there. Like we compete against other landscapes that I respect all over the world, but um, they're more rare. Like uh, the ones that I would class as portfolio images, they're they're more rare. You know, maybe if I got maybe four of those a year, I'd be over the moon. Yeah, yeah. They're not, they're not so frequent. Totally, totally with you on that. Uh, I don't think there's anything better than sort of getting that sort of breakthrough image that that might not necessarily be the portfolio image, but it, it's it, it's one that you think, yep, yeah, that's good enough, and then you, you know, you, you you tend to get a run on after that. It's uh, it's a nice feeling when you when when you get there. Yeah, like it's you know. I've mentioned before about music and music would inspire me um, and taking photographs. Like I would name a lot of my uh, images after song titles or song lyrics. Like my wife and I would always be going to gigs and stuff. Um, and yeah, you know, you, you get a band and they release an album and there's maybe three or four singles. It's like, yep. that's my year. You know, there's maybe three or four singles um, or, that are good enough to be like portfolio images. And then you get some album tracks. And then to get some B sides that you might work on a couple of couple of years later, kind of thing, you know. Yep, totally, totally. I bet you've never heard anybody use that sort of uh, example before. I, 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 I can it. honestly say that it is a first. So uh, well done. <laughs> I, I've always had that in my head, though. Honestly, I think it's a music thing. I just say we're we're big big music lovers, and 
Yeah. I, it just it, it just links with me. It sits with me. You know, I've always sort of believed that. You know, not every image you can shoot is portfolio image, and yeah. you, you need to sort of get over that. I used to get sort of like when you go out on field and and you come back, you know, when you first start out, and you're like, "Well, did you get any good images today?" Oh yeah, maybe got like two or three. If I got two or three images in the space of six months that I was happy with, now I'd be, I'd be over the moon, you know. So it changes, you know. Um, not everything can be personally satisfying, I suppose. No, absolutely, absolutely. Have you ever put together, I guess, that uh, the the album, uh, you know, whether it's the greatest hits or whether it's, uh, you know, a, a mix of A and B sides? Have you ever ever put together uh, or gone out to shoot? in that way so that you're sort of putting together a a cohesive project i guess as opposed to you know okay well here's, here's a shot from you know uh you know location x and here's a shot from location y have, have you ever done anything like that in your in your like little projects yeah um a couple like um i have you know that um 500 px mm-hmm it shot an image down in Galway in 2016. It was another overnighter in the car um, yep. with my wife and our little dog at the time, Lola. And I got a nice image. It was a 26-minute exposure of um, of a diving platform in Galway, obviously at the water. Um, and I got what I thought was lovely image, square image and stuff. And I had it in the living room for a couple of years before I sold it. And um, loved the image. And after I made that image, I thought, well, I know everybody again and 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 Twitter's talk about collections and stuff. I'm sure you'll maybe talk about that later on. But um I thought it would be a nice collection of images, square seascapes. Now yep. I've never done anything with it other than have it on my 500 px as, as a as a folder, square seascapes. Um and just started working on that there. Um but a more I suppose a more fixed um project would be a work in um social housing that would be my full-time job so at the weekends i'm i'm i would be like a relief concierge in a high-rise blocks of multi-story social housing yep. um tenants so it'll be sort of 12 floors um be talking about 40 tenants in each mm-hmm. and from about 2013 to 2016 i had a project i was started off as a one-off uh, portrait with one of the tenants and um i called the stories as in Spelled like multi stories, but stories from the high rise because each yep, image yep. told a story of uh, different tenants. Sort of, I I don't detach story to each image, um, but I think any viewer could sort of see that there's a story behind each image and maybe come up with their own. It was all all mono, and I don't shoot an awful lot of mono work, um, yep. but it was all black and white. And yeah, it's it's on the website actually. There's well, there's about half of it's on the website. I don't have a lot of portraiture on the website now, but. Um, I would look at that there. That's that's good. Some of the talents now have passed on and stuff. So it's they're yeah. sort of they could be shot now. They could be shot twenty years ago. You just you wouldn't know, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's there's quite a lot of sort of feeling and emotion in those. So I don't do an awful lot of set sort of projects. I have to say, and I um a lot of it would be locations and just me trying to come up with something that I'm, you know, I think fits the location and also sort of suits my style of work. Yeah. Sure. Sure. No, it's uh, I'm I'm fascinated by people that are you know able to go and bring together as I say you know that 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 album that's a cohesive piece of work that's multiple images where they've you know concentrated on 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 building that that particular project and uh, yeah. I mean, it's something yeah. I've, I've worked on a couple myself and 
I'm I'm reasonably happy with a, a couple of them, but um, you know, I, I think it's it's a very difficult thing to to do is to you know bring together, as I say, something that's cohesive around a, a particular theme or whatever, and uh, and you know pull pull together a number of different images that uh, you know follow that theme. I think the brief is really key, isn't it? You need to have a set brief and you need to sort of know exactly Absolutely. what you're wanting. Otherwise, you can veer off and it can go sort of on tangents, kind of like... Yeah. Oh, like and other things get in the way, you know. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. A bit, bit like a squirrel. Oh, look over there. I'm going to get gonna go. I was going to say, like, kind of like when you ask me a question and I start answering that question half how you want and then I go off on a tangent about <laughs> another story, you know. <laughs> Uh, that, yeah, that's what this podcast is all about. It's all about tangents and uh, and you know the divergence of uh, of thinking about how you do what you do. That's um, you know I, I guess one of the, one of the things that uh, I, I see is important is is giving people a, a bit of a platform to you know have their say about um, you know what what they feel about their photography uh, or or other things. Yeah. And uh, I'll I'll ask you a couple of questions about some other things uh, a little bit later. Right now, what do you see as the biggest challenge facing photography? I don't know that I'm qualified to answer that, to be honest. I, I, I don't. I'm just, I'm just one photographer from Belfast. Um, I, don't, okay. I really don't know. Um, what, do you, what do you see? I personally think one of the biggest challenges at the moment is, is probably climate change for landscape photographers in particular. Um, but I, I think that's, that, that's probably... You know, too big a problem to delve in too much today. But you know, the, the for for me, I think one of the important things landscape photographers can do is to bring attention to some of the issues that you know climate change is uh, sort of brought up. And you know, for me, that that's probably one of the one of the most important things a landscape photographer you know um, should be not necessarily thinking about all the time, but you know, working towards you know bringing attention to to some of those uh, some of those issues. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I'm achieving that myself. You know, it's, but I I definitely think it's something that's uh, that that's worth adding our voice. You know, in the uh, in the, the the overall conversation. What's your favourite thing about being a photographer? Produce some work that you're proud of. You know. Producing an image that, that you're personally proud of, like um, it's nice. Social media, as I said, it's nice when you get likes or comments. Don't get me wrong, everybody likes that, but you take it with a pinch of salt. It's nice to get a print sale, that's lovely. Yeah. Um, because somebody likes your work enough, it's not you, um, it's going to put it on the wall. Um, it's nice to win something. Yeah, the, that every time I talk about that, uh, we're a landscape photographer. 2022 there's a big smile on my face and every time my wife mentions it i get a big smile on my face because i never <laughs> thought anything like that would happen to me like you know but you know you're good and stuff but you don't think one of those conversations will land on your doorstep kind of thing or sure kind of could listen to different different judges or on the same judges on a different day could have picked one of the other 50 stunning images but i got lucky um but producing images that i'm proud of is my is what i that's why I'm a photographer. That's why I do it. I do. I produce work for me first and foremost. If I like it, then that's that's me happy. You know. So, yeah, um, yeah. Megan, if somebody could ask me now whether I would want to produce an image that I'm 
100% happy with and I personally love and I love for a lot of years or would I produce a, a good image that's going to sell for a couple of thousand pounds I'd pick the first one I'd, I'd want one that I'm happy with so I'd, I'd do it for me first and foremost so to produce work that I'm proud of would be my um, my goal like, and that's what I'd do yeah, Fantastic What's the least favourite thing about being a photographer? Mm. Not getting out with a newborn um, okay. <clears throat> not having a camera van not the constant, but the, the regular visits to long, further away locations when you don't get what you want, um, image-wise. Um, but again, that has positives too, because when you do get that image, you know, it makes it all worth it. You, you realise the struggle you went through to make the image. It's not just you don't turn up and get an image first time every time. Um, yeah. These favorite things, expensive gear. Salt water is not messing with that gear. That, that's bringing a bit of humor to the podcast. Like there, there's there's a long time that I couldn't uh, I couldn't uh, have a joke about that incident, you know. So um, hey. and have a joke about it now. I was wearing waders that day. Sorry to go back to that story. So if I went into the water, I wasn't coming back out because yeah, the, the water was yeah it was it was pretty bad, you know. Hey. I put myself in some risky positions to get an image before and. I have an actual video of about two minutes before that wave came in, took me off my feet, and there was it looked like there was no danger. Like I was in the same spot for twenty minutes to half an hour. It didn't look um, accidents on location. Uh, yeah, um, it's an expensive hobby. And another thing as well, like um, I don't think a lot of people have taken the consideration is we drive away to these faraway locations. Like everything's on the increase, like fuel, diesel, petrol, so on the increase. It's like it is an expensive passion, you know, and. Um, some some people that aren't doing it, you know, don't even wouldn't even think of that, you know. Yeah, no, don't. But, but, totally but, but, but again, like all of that's gone. So when you get the shot in the back of the camera and you, and you see it on a big print, who cares? You yeah. thought what you did, for, you know. That's why <laughs> I did. That's why. That's why. That's why I spend all my money on gear <laughs> that I probably only half know how to use because, like, as I said before, like I'm not in the gear. I don't have to have the best camera on the market like I shoot with the 5D Mark IV at the moment but I do want to upgrade yeah. uh, very 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 soon um, but um, I don't have to it's just so that I know like when I, when I print my work it's going to be of a, of a good standard you know um, yeah. but like I don't get bogged down with sort of the technicalities of gear and all of this you know again going back to mood and emotion my photography is driven by that not by settings and all this kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. I'm not one of them. What do you uh, like to do when you're not out shooting? Uh, listen to music, hold my son on my chest, Netflix yeah, with my wife. Uh, yeah, it is, yeah. It won't last for long because he's, he's pretty tall. I'm six foot three. My wife's like five eleven, so he's, he's going to grow my chest uh, length quite soon, so I'll get all that while I can, um, yeah. and there'll be plenty of time to shoot after. Um Family time, um, gigs, travel, but mm-hmm. travel again goes back to photography. Like a lot of, a lot of our destinations will be geared towards me getting certain images. Which my wife is amazing. At, at, you know, she's very, uh, very forgiving. That way, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that's a very important thing as uh, a forgiving partner for uh, photographers. Either that or another photographer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, like when we were in City Weeks, this is how good my wife is. We were in Amsterdam back in 2000 and 
19, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, September 19, and there was a certain ship that I wanted, and I went a couple of times and wasn't getting it. I was the canal, and I wanted light trails of the the boats going past and stuff. Yep. And my wife was. Uh, we got there before sunset, and we went over. And there was a small window in September where you can get the shot before it goes too dark and the street lights are too bright, and it's just you can't get it all in the one image. And I like to get all, everything in the one exposure. I don't do multiple exposures and all of that stuff. So um, we went into the wee restaurant across the way, and I was like, I'm not going to be able to order anything. Number one, I'm a really picky eater, and I won't eat anything here, although it's a lovely restaurant. Number two, if I order anything, even a Diet Coke, I'm going to miss my shot here. So she is a saint, and she stayed, and she sat in the head on her own while I was across at this wow. across the street <laughs> shooting. Yeah, so that's that's how amazing she is. So um, that shot, uh, that it's shot, braver man I, than I. I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank God I got a thank God I got a shot that night. And she's brilliant with Google Maps and all. Seeing me with technology, as I said, I'm not in the gear and all that. I I couldn't find my way in the Belfast city centre. So she's uh, my eyes and ears when we went city racing stuff. She's she's the brains and I'm the creative side. Uh, fair enough. What tips of or what? Sorry. What's one tip that you have for somebody that's just starting out in landscape photography? Look at good work. Look at work that inspires you. And you might think it's out of reach, but but keep looking at that work and um, keep striving to sort of reach those levels. Uh, you could join a local comic club. I, I'm pretty sure they have them in, all over the world. Um, yeah. But I know it's not for everybody, but it's, get, it's great to get that one-on-one stuff. Like when I joined the comic club, I was mentored. And I think two years ago, I, I started mentoring people as well because I get as much enjoyment out of them getting a good image and, and winning a, a competition in the comic club as I would have of winning something. So, um, soak, soak, soak things up, take on board what people with more experience are saying and, and be like a sponge. You know, that sounds like it's a cliche, but honestly, like that's the way you improve. If you think everything um, you do is amazing. Yeah, I, I, I think know, it's important. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. Look, constantly look at good stuff and and um, and be inspired. You know, look at the best, and you know, if if you put your mind to it, you can reach a certain level. I don't care what anybody says. Definitely. Um, are there any photographers out there you think I should be talking to? I mentioned uh, that I was inspired by a lot of UK photographers. Neil Burnell, I'm sure you know Neil Burnell's work. Uh, well, he's he's like a he's a world leader with class as a world class photographer. Uh, Rachel Tallybart. Um, I know this is landscape photography world, but my favorite photographer is actually um, Maria Sparbova. Okay. Um, yeah. Do you know her? Do you know her work? No. I, I know some of her work. I don't know her personally. She, she did. No, no, I don't know her personally either. What she did, she's amazing. Um, she's unbelievable. Like, have a couple of her books and stuff like a swimming pool series and stuff. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear her speak about work because I've, I've heard Neil Burnell and I've heard Rachel Talibur on podcasts before, but she doesn't do landscape photography. So, but that's important to be inspired by other stuff other than just what you shoot. Like, it's funny. Yeah. I, I, Absolutely. I don't know why. I don't know why she's my favorite photographer. Well, I do. I love her images. Um, they're just, yeah, they're just so clean in the colors and the, the tone and stuff. Um, and some of her stuff would be score crops as well, actually. Um, but Neil, Neil Burnell would be amazing to get on the podcast. Or it's a tallyboard's just they're a class above. Yeah, thanks for that. 
I've got one more um, uh, question for you. And for some people that listen, it's the most important question I can ask. Do you like pineapple on pizza? No chance. My wife does not know. No. <laughs> it's a no. Ham, ham, peppers, ham, pepper, sweet corn, and it has to be thin and crispy. I'm very picky. I'm definitely a thin and crispy guy. I can't, can't do the, the thick crust. Do you, do you like do you like pineapple and sweet corn? Uh, or, if, sorry, do you like pineapple and pizza? I, I, I won't order it myself, uh, but if it's there and, you know, um, why not? But uh, yeah, I won't. I won't pick it off like some people. <laughs> right. Well. Okay. So yeah, if I'm ordering a pizza, it's like a small pizza. My wife's ordering a small pizza, and mine would have ham, peppers, sweet corn, and hers would have pineapple, peppers, and sweet corn. And she's not eating all of hers. I will pick off the pineapple and eat her, the rest of hers. <laughs> but you can still taste the pineapple, so it's still a bit wrong. <laughs> hot and cold doesn't go. It has no. Why yeah. ask that question? Yeah. That's the best. I, 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 I like if if it, the pineapple's on it, it's got to be hot. It can't be cold. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. No, that's still wrong. The texture, no. No. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today, Paul. Um, it's been wonderful getting to know you a little bit better and uh, getting to know some of your work. Where can people find what you do? Um, social media, um, Twitter at P Colleen. Nobody will know how to spell it because I can't pronounce it. Photo, um, Paul Colleen Photography on um, Instagram and the same on Twitter, but I don't really use it. And I've obviously my website as well, www.paulcolleenphotography.com. Um, but yeah, my name, my, my surname's a, is a weird one, so I don't think anybody's going to come find me now. <laughs> That's all right. I'll put links to everything in the in the show notes. So hopefully, uh, you you might get another few followers. Make sure you make sure you spell the surname correctly. <laughs> Absolutely, you pronounced it correctly anyway. So fair play. All right. Thanks very much, mate. Thank you, man. Cheers. Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work and this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube and Facebook. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon. Mm -hmm.